Your hosts are here, Sammy and Michelle. By the end of this podcast, you'll know them well. Adulting, navigating the journey of life. Careers to relationships, pain and strife. Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo. If there's another direction you want to go, find purpose, passion and mastery in all that you do. With Status Post Adulting. Hey Status Post Adulting community, this is Sammy and Michelle. And you're listening to the 20th episode of Status Post Adulting, where we are going to be talking about the untethered soul. And this is officially season two of Status Post Adulting. Sammy and I are so excited, and we really want to thank you, our listener, for listening for the last 20 episodes, or however many you listen to. That being said, we did have a couple housekeeping things today. One, if you listened to last week's episode, and you were either an early listener or somebody who gets a downloaded copy on their Apple, you may have noticed that episode 19 sounded a lot like episode 15. We accidentally uploaded the wrong copy. We fixed it in the morning, but in case you didn't catch that or in case it didn't update on your phone, you might have to delete it or check out the episode that we uploaded for episode 19. We did fix it and we appreciate all of your patience with us. Second thing is since this is our 20th episode, we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear your feedback and most importantly, any topics that you think we should cover. We would love to talk a little bit more about things that specifically our audience is interested in. So please send us a direct message on Instagram at statuspostadulting, or you can always email us statuspostadulting at gmail.com. And we always link those in our show notes. Exactly, Michelle. We are super excited to get those emails and DMs. Before we get started on today's episode, how are you doing, Michelle? I'm doing really well, Sammy. You know, I was in a really bad mood at the beginning of last week. I'm aware. 100% because of PMS. And I was in such a bad mood, and I knew I was going to stay in a bad mood, that I decided to just go to the DMV. It's been on my checklist for a while, and I figured now is the time. And I will say, it was a pretty neutral experience. Though, I did have to get my car inspected, and it really made me appreciate how much I do not know about my vehicle. Because... The woman had no patience for me. She asked me to open my hood to the front of my car, which I know where the button is for that. I just, you know, popped my hood and it was stuck. And she was like, you have to open your hood. And then I was taking so long and I couldn't figure it out that she was like, I'm going to go inside and I'll come back when your hood is open. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she was kind of mean. And I get so much anxiety when I go to the DMV which feels really validating in that moment, Mm -hmm, I guess. mm -hmm. (laughs) So I like crouch by the side of my car and I call my dad, who doesn't pick up at first. (laughs) So then I look up a YouTube video and I'm literally like crouching by the side of my car because I'm so embarrassed and I don't want her to see me. (laughs) And I'm like trying to quickly watch a video to see how (laughs) I can open my hood. And then I figure it out. I end up popping it open. She has a couple more things to say to me. She checks my odometer. As she's doing that, my dad calls me, which starts blaring in my car. (laughs) But outside of that, it was a positive experience. And I felt really good about achieving that. So it definitely turned my mood around as well. That is wonderful. I mean, I'm not sure why you had all these hood problems, but it sounds like you knew what to do. It just was a little more challenging than usual. 
I will say DMV people are intense, just like Detroit TSA. <laughs> so aggressive. If you do not get your things together in time, they immediately start yelling at you. They're like, take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. I'm like, I am trying to take them off right now, okay? <laughs> okay, a story for another time. Sammy, smart girl, most incompetent person at an airport. I have many stories that we will share over time. I'm sure the Detroit airport people are terrible. <laughs> at the same time, you got some problems. <laughs> They're very aggressive over there, let me tell you. They're not as bad as the people in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy and I were flying through Germany. I don't remember what city. And they're super intense there. They do not play around. And Sammy and I actually speak a little bit of German. But... Um, <laughs> Flex. <laughs> so we kind of understand what they're saying. I'm just saying. So... So we're going through the German security and Sammy has her water bottle, non-reusable water bottle, completely filled with water. <laughs> and so we're with, so this is when we were traveling through Europe with like a bunch of our friends. So we're all in line. They're not having it with us. They're so upset. Like they're already annoyed with us because first of all, I don't know why everybody in Germany is like super quiet. So this line was like silent minus us laughing hysterically at each other. <laughs> And then the woman like signals to us that there's still water in the water bottle. And I was like, don't worry, I got it. So then I start <laughs> chugging the water. <laughs> and then she goes, nine, nine. And I start <laughs> laughing and I start spraying water everywhere. And she's like, nine, nine. And then she <laughs> ends up sending Sammy, dump it out the back of the line. And she has to go all the way back through. But <laughs> that was probably top five most intense airport experiences that we had. Yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> I take a little bit of the blame for that because that was a very stupid move. It was so aggressive. She grabbed it and she started chugging it. So I started dying laughing. <laughs> I don't know why I thought in that moment I could chug a full water bottle. She and this lady did not have a sense of humor about it. She no. was like very upset. She was so upset. Yeah, there we have a lot of stories like that. Fun times being <laughs> terrible airport people. Even though we're very respectful, mm -hmm. we just somehow always end up getting in trouble. Yeah, we do. That one was on me. That story was on me 99% of the time at Sammy. True. It, though it was your bottle of water. Yeah, I'm not denying anything here. I'm not denying <laughs> anything. That was our airport experience, but I'm really excited today to talk about The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Sammy and I wanted to talk about The Untethered Soul today because spirituality is one of the pillars that we want to talk about with status post-adulting. And we think that the topic within the untethered soul is one that is really foundational to building your spiritual practice. At the same time, it's, I don't want to say secular, whatever the opposite of secular is. Like instead of being specific to one religion, it's sort of the foundation of many. That wouldn't be the opposite of secular. I guess the opposite of secular would be super specific religion. Yes. But Michael A. Singer does a really good job of referencing how what he's talking about is relevant to other religions. But it's not necessarily focused specifically on one religion, I would say. To get started with this topic, we want to take a moment and wherever you are, hopefully not driving, maybe driving. Mm, it's not going to be long, but preferably not driving. <laughs> we are not condoning the driving thing. If something happens to you, just no. We didn't say yes to that. So take a moment and just be silent and listen. And do you hear a voice? Do you hear something saying, Oh my God, how long is this silence? Oh my God, I'm driving. This is super dangerous. <laughs> I love these girls so much. I feel like they're my sisters. Whatever it is, whatever that voice is, 
We all have it. I believe. I think we all have a voice in our head. That voice is the main focus of what Michael Singer talks about in The Untethered Soul. Yes, Michael calls out the voice. And the voice is really thoughts. And thoughts are not self. The idea that thoughts not being self is not new. This idea has been around for millennia. Buddha was talking about it. Buddhas before him, because I think there were like multiple Buddhas. They were all talking about it. People who are not Buddhist, Jesus alluding to it. People know that thoughts are not self. But the way Michael A. Singer describes it in this book hits home. And it really just like slaps you across the face and it's like thoughts are not self. Reading the book itself is just an experience. So that's why we want to talk about it today. Yeah, we hope to give you a little bit of a taste. And if it's something that you're interested in, we highly recommend reading The Untethered Soul. We are not getting paid for this. I think it would be immoral if we were. <laughs> well, I don't think it's immoral. <laughs> Let us know, but nobody's getting paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll hope to give you a little bit of a taste of what he talks about in The Untethered Soul. But he has such a good way of keeping it really simple and just beating you over the head with it a million times. When I started reading The Untethered Soul last week, it was the first time I read it, second time Sammy read it, and especially since I was in my bad mood, I honestly wasn't really up for it. Michael Singer introduces this idea that you have this voice in your head, and his big thing is that you are not this voice, you shouldn't listen to this voice, and you should silence this voice. And I was like, that voice is my friend, and I do not want to get rid of my friend. (laughs) But going through the whole book, really made me appreciate why it's better to live without said inner voice. It's so true, Michelle. There's a voice which oftentimes can be referred to as the ego, your sense of self, but he acknowledges that that's not your true self. Your true self is more the consciousness or the awareness that sits behind that. And the true self is silent. As silent beings, we can take in everything that we see And we really don't need all these thoughts to analyze, plan, or remorse over all the things that we experience. So Michael Singer talks about how if you're driving in your car, you're seeing all of these trees, you're seeing the road, we're always taking everything in. We don't have to comment on them or have an inner monologue. And in fact, if you try to go, oh, There's my mouse pad, there's my Kindle, there's my water bottle, there's my mic. You would never be able to articulate everything that you're seeing. But you do see and experience so much without having that inner dialogue. Exactly, Michelle. What I like is he really makes our thoughts into this crazy being that's around us. To be honest, he's correct. Thoughts are this crazy being that's like always around. There's an example he gives where he asks us to personify the thought. Pretend that they're a person or people, because sometimes they're disagreeing with each other, that are with you all day. Just when you're in the shower, just observe the thoughts, see what they're up to. You'll realize you're like in a room with crazy people and you would never, like if these were friends, you would never hang out with them. You'd be like, I need to like end this friendship right now because it's toxic and obnoxious. Just like the way he calls it out is so direct and so amusing, but also so true. It's so true, Sammy. He talks about how if this is a person, they'll take both sides. Anytime you're talking in your head, like if you're like, oh, I need to wake up now. I need to get out of bed. Well, you're tired. You can rest a little bit more. Oh my gosh. They'll, like the voices in your head, they take both sides. 
They'll do whatever they need to lure you in, whether that's being positive or negative or just fighting with each other. And if you saw someone on the street doing that, you'd be like, oh my gosh, this person is having a conversation with themselves. You know, you would think that if they're responding to themselves, they would understand what they're going to say next and they would already be able to predict that. If you just take some time to like pay attention to your inner dialogue, not judge it necessarily, just listen to what you're saying to yourself, you'll see that it does bounce around. Yeah, Michelle, it bounces around and it's also so sensitive. Michael has this quote where he says, The problem is that the part of you that gets disturbed is way out of balance. It's so sensitive that the slightest thing causes it to overreact. You are living on a planet spinning around the middle of outer space, and you're either worried about your blemishes, the scratch on your new car, or if you burped in public. It's not healthy. I like how he points it out as super sensitive. No matter how quote-unquote sensitive your voice is, all of our voices are too sensitive. They hyper-react to any external situation that's going on out there. Instead of feeling like we are the voices, like the voices are our personality, that voices define us, like in our nature, acknowledging that the person, the being that sits back and silently observes it is actually you, it really just immediately lightens everything up. Like whenever I sit back and I think, oh, let me just observe what the voices are doing. I don't think that that's just happening (laughs) with no (laughs) thoughts. It's funny because everything just dissolves. Even if I wanted to have it keep going, it just dissolves. Because as soon as I can get back to that more spacious, conscious perspective, whatever drama was going on dissolves. Absolutely, Sammy. I love when he says the mind is melodramatic. Oh, yes. Your mind is the thoughts going through your head. And if someone said I was melodramatic, (laughs) I don't know how I would respond to it. (laughs) But since I am not my thoughts, I can objectively say, oh my gosh, this girl crazy. (laughs) Oh, oh, who are you talking to like that? Mm -hmm. Why are you jumping all over the place? Mm -hmm. It's really funny. He definitely calls out the mind a lot. And another thing he talks about, it's not only about the conversation that your mind is having. He also talks about how a lot of our unhappiness comes from the fact that we are working so hard to protect our mind from future problems. Exactly, Michelle. He talks about how we build this ego, essentially, that is sensitive. It has a way that it wants to be perceived. It has a way that it wants other people to act towards it. It has a way that it wants life to go. And if anything goes out of place, it's going to freak out and it's going to overreact. It sets the mind to do the job of making sure that everything goes well. And then because of that, your mind is like, sure, I'm just going to be keep thinking and thinking all day long to make sure that this perfect world that she wants to live in will go on. In fact, Michael even says, I want everyone to like me. I don't want anyone to speak badly of me. I want everything I say and do to be acceptable and pleasing to everyone. Now, mind, find out how to make this a reality. Your mind said, I'm on the job. I will work on it constantly. And that is literally what our mind does. Exactly, Sammy. And the truth is, We set ourselves up for failure when we do that because we ask our mind to predict every worst situation. We say, okay, I want to, for example, go to this party and I don't want to say anything stupid. I don't want to snort when I laugh. And what happens is that we make mistakes. We are people who have flaws. If we do something and we're not able to predict an outcome, we end up beating ourselves up over it. And our poor ego, 
is thinking, I'm doing all of these things. I'm trying to make sure you don't do this and you don't laugh. You don't spill food on yourself. And oh my gosh, we just cannot protect ourselves from all of the things that can happen to us in the world. For me, that really resonated because I find myself thinking about the future and trying to figure out, okay, how can I protect myself in this way? How can I protect my finances? How can I figure out what I'm doing for work? And I just go through all of these different lists and the uncertainty can cause me anxiety because I feel like I don't know what's going to happen in the next year or two years. It's so rewarding to instead be able to say, I've done the things that I need to do and I will live and observe life as it happens. I won't live in the future and worry about what can go wrong. I'm going to instead live in the present and handle things as they come. I agree, Michelle. I mean, I think with our ego, we build this idea of self and idea of life that we'd like. And it's really a house of cards. It's so fragile. It can so easily be destroyed. And we spend so much time trying to protect this ego that's so fragile. And the truth is, we should just let it go. As Michael Singer says, everywhere you go, there's someone or something trying to disturb you, trying to get your goat. Why not let them have it? If you don't want it, then don't protect it. And for me, that sentence was just like, yes. We do so much to protect this ego, and the ego needs to go. We're protecting this thing that is fragile and causing a lot of stress. And if we just say, you know what, it's, it's not a big deal. Whatever the ego experiences is just inner drama. And when we let it go, we really free ourselves. We really free ourselves to whatever suffering we're experiencing and also to future sufferings because suffering will always be there. I think when you don't have the ego, you just know that you have the ability to let all of that pass. You gotta put the go in ego. And you might have been wondering what he meant by trying to get your go. I was confused. And especially now with everyone always saying greatest of all time, it's a bit confusing. <laughs> but turns out this expression comes from a tradition in horse racing where they think the goats had like a calming effect on the horses. So opponents would steal people's goats to try to upset the horse hmm. and cause it to lose on the day of the race. Ah, that's, that's actually a pretty cute story. Yeah, well, the, I thought so myself. Cute and twisted. Yeah, cute and twisted. But it seems so appropriate now. Makes sense. We digress. To clarify too, Zemi, Michael Singer isn't saying that bad things won't happen. He's not saying that you won't feel pain. A big thing of his is feeling whatever it is when it happens. Understanding that things do happen and we will encounter hardship in our lives. But experiencing it, being in that moment, understanding that this is happening and handling it however you need to, but not getting attached to the thought about it so that five years down the road, 10 years down the road, you're still thinking over and over and over about it and you're just reliving that pain. That is really the crux of where the suffering comes in. Exactly, Michelle. It's funny because when I was thinking about this, when you learn how to sit back and let the silent observer self watch your ego self go in these thoughts and then let it dissipate, you really have a sense of confidence. And I was thinking it's like finances, like when you have an emergency fund and you know like, hey, I can live for a year without needing any income. You feel confidence, you feel comfortable. You're not going to be trapped in a job that you hate. You're not going to be put in situations that you don't like because you have a way, like a financial way to escape things. And I feel the same thing about spirituality. 
When you know that you can sit back and let the silent observer just watch and let the thoughts dissipate, you feel a sense of confidence that you can take on difficult situations in life. You're not led by a fragile ego that's going to easily get disturbed by every little thing. You're led by like something very strong, but also simple and open that's inside of you that can find peace in every single moment. Exactly, Sammy. And like everything, this is the type of exercise, sitting back, observing your thoughts, and letting them go. It's the type of thing that takes practice. And it's the type of thing that you really get tested when bad things do happen. As somebody who is relatively new to this idea, it's super interesting because in the moment, it's easier to be like, ah, yes, I feel so centered and one and I am just watching the world happen. But you know, if something happens, I'm going to be angry or I'm going to be sad or some of my thoughts are going to come in that fights back and says, oh, but don't you really want to think about that guy that didn't text you back last year? <laughs> and the truth is, is that you have to. The truth is, is that it is an exercise. It's something that you have to keep doing. And it's something we'll keep talking about as well. And it's something that we're working on every single day. Yeah, obviously we're not like enlightened beings yet. But like we're like so close. We'll let you know. We're getting, we're all going to get there together. This is the last lifetime. Yeah, we're all. <laughs> we're not coming back for reincarnation, y'all. We are getting enlightened. We're going to the higher plane. Amen, girl. <laughs> we will all be tiny Buddhas by the end of this podcast. Series. <laughs> Season three. <laughs> what to do when you're enlightened. <laughs> But yeah, like Michelle was saying, there are ways to practice getting better at this meditation and things like that. But I would say that reading this book, again, it was like a meditation in itself. It was like, sometimes you need meditation and sometimes you just need someone to slap you across the face and say, no thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, that's what like this book does over and over again in like a really humorous way. To the point where I was like, I should be reading this book at least Q six months because it's excellent. I totally agree, Sammy. Michael Singer, especially in the audiobook, it is a very light and humorous way to digest this information. It's very simplified, and so we highly recommend it. And quite honestly, with some of his examples, I felt called out. <laughs> I won't go through all of them, but he he's got our number. Okay, he's got our goat. <laughs> not sure if I use that phrase correctly. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure when this book was written, but these examples are 100% relevant today. Mm -hmm. I totally agree, Sammy. And bigger picture, I do feel like once you're used to letting the silent observer be the leader of your experience, rather than letting thoughts define what's going on every single day, you enter a transcendent plane. For me, I know sometimes I can see little auras around people, like little colors, not reliably. But whenever it does happen, it's when my mind is totally clear and I'm being driven by that silent observer and I'm just experiencing. No thoughts are there. That's when I'm more likely to see the colors. I feel like anything that I think is more likely to manifest when I have that clear mind as well. And of course, if none of those crazy woo-woo things are going on, there is just also the added benefit of the extreme peace that you feel when your mind is in that state. It is hard to say, Sammy, what you will experience when you do let go of your thoughts and are able to just be present 
and experience life in its fullest potential. Exactly, Michelle. And even if there's no craziness, I think the most beneficial thing that comes out of letting the thoughts go is just the peace and the contentment that you feel in your heart. As Michael Singer says, choose happiness. (laughs) Choose happiness, Fleck. (laughs) (laughs) Stop choosing the other choice. It's stupid. (laughs) What do you want? Happiness or unhappiness? Period. End of story. Before Sammy and I run through takeaways for this episode, we want to go back to the exercise at the beginning, take a moment, be silent, and this time, observe with no thoughts. Are you observing with no thoughts, Sam? Yeah, a lion just appeared in front of me. JK, <laughs> no, that didn't happen. I, but I was very clear and everything was peaceful. It was great. <laughs> and so for takeaways this week, The number one thing we wanted to introduce was that you are one thing and your thoughts are another. Said a different way, you are not your thoughts. That's the main takeaway. Second takeaway, make an effort on the regular to remember that you are not your thoughts. Whether that's through meditation or reading the book or just other explorations of being present, make sure that that's a practice that's in your daily life. It doesn't have to be anything too difficult or woo-woo or spiritual either. It could be just reminding yourself in different moments to listen, observe the thoughts that are going through your head. No judgment. See what they're saying and start to see if you can observe the world without having those thoughts running through your head. But it's a constant practice. It's not something that you, our young Buddha, can do today. Unless you can, in which case, write to us. We'll get you on the pod. (laughs) If you are already enlightened and don't feel like it's too earthly to be on a podcast, please send us a message. We would love to have you on the podcast. And I would say a final takeaway is that you are not your thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Just needed to be reiterated. I mean, honestly, if that's the one takeaway you get from this lifetime, it's going to be your last because that's an important one. That's a good takeaway. (laughs) And to take that one one step further, we work so hard to protect ourselves, to try to protect our ego and create this system where we think if we can think about every situation, if we can practice it all in our head, if we can do all of these things to be perfect, then maybe we can prevent fear, suffering, sadness, jealousy, whatever it is. And the reality is, is that that just sets us up for failure. Understand that things will happen to you in your life of varying degrees, of varying severities. But to sit and worry and fear it today, it's going to focus your energy on your thoughts, and it's not preventing anything from happening. Well said, Michelle. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and found it exciting. If you're interested and you want to learn more, go ahead and read Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul, and we'll definitely be covering topics like this in the future as well. If you guys have been enjoying our podcast, season one, loved it, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, follow us on Instagram if you're using social media at Status Post Adulting. Or you can send us a message, recommendation, comment at our email, statuspostadulting at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today and listening to uh, this episode where we take a look at the untethered souls. And we look forward to getting together next week. Yes, be sure to join us next time as we put down the rule book and rethink the status quo.